I hope that you'll be here beginning this Wednesday at 6 o'clock to be able to pray with one another and for one another. Now, as we prepare for that, I do want to remind you how not to pray for each other, though. I was reminded about this um, through a song that came out several years ago, a country singer named Jaron Jaron Lowenstein, and he wrote a song and sang a song called, I Pray For You. I want to read the lyrics to you. It says, I haven't been to church since I don't remember when. Things were going great till they fell apart again. So I listened to the preacher as he told me what to do. He said, you can't go hating others who have done wrong to you. Sometimes we get angry, but we must not condemn. Let the good Lord do his job. You just pray for them. I pray your brakes go out running down a hill. I pray a flower pot falls from a windowsill and knocks you in the head like I'd like to. I pray your birthday comes and nobody calls. I pray you're flying high when your engine stalls. I pray all your dreams never come true. Just know wherever you are, honey, I pray for you. This is how we will not be praying for each other on Wednesday night, although Honestly, I think it's how we'd like to pray for some people every now and then, right? I mean, it, it can be hard to love other people. It can be hard to get along with other people. That can be a difficult thing. As a matter of fact, I asked you to turn to the book of Philippians, and when Paul was writing this letter, there were some people in that church who weren't really getting along. They, they may have been wanting to pray the exact same kind of prayers and thoughts that we just read and were laughing about here because there was a disagreement between some people in the church. As a matter of fact, it was such a big disagreement, was causing such harm in the church that the Apostle Paul even calls them out. He writes out their names in a letter, which he doesn't do very often and urges them and pleads with them to get along because they were grumbling and arguing and it was causing some divisions in the church. And Paul was writing to to unify them back together and to encourage them to love each other. He called them out with... In regards to selfish ambition, you'll see this in chapter 2. He calls them out for vain conceit or what could be translated empty glory. And so there's this selfish ambition where people are looking out for their own selves, their own preferences, their own priorities, what's best for them in the church. They're chasing after the glory, which Paul says is empty, by the way. It's a vain pursuit of that because all glory and honor will only go to one person on that final day but this is affecting the church in such a deep way that Paul's writing to them to clear some of this stuff up and he opens up this letter before he dives into all of that with a prayer we've been looking again for several weeks at various prayers that we see in the New Testament a lot of them have been what Paul has written to different churches well the same kind of thing Paul writes out a prayer of what it is that he has been praying for this church at Philippi look how he opens it up when he says this in verse 9 of chapter 1 and this is my prayer that you, your love may abound more and more. Some translations say still more and more. We're going to go slowly and just kind of dissect each part of this. This is the very heart of what it is that Paul is praying for them. That their love for each other will abound 
more and more. Now, some of you will go, Jason, where does it say that he's talking about their love for each other? And that's a good question because he doesn't specifically say that here. We don't know exactly what love Paul is referring to in the statement. But again, if you go back and read the entire letter, you read it in context, it's no doubt that Paul is writing about this love because of all those things that I just mentioned to you that were going on in the church and that he's going to write about later. So his prayer is that God would grow their love for each other and that it would abound. I mean, he's not praying for like a little bit more of love. That word abound there means to be present over abundantly, like super abundantly. It's the picture of taking a, a pitcher of water and, and having a cup and you beginning to, to pour the water in the cup, but you don't, you don't stop when it gets to the very top. You just keep pouring and it begins to what? overflow right it's abounding at that point this is what Paul is praying that that love would would overflow super abundantly and just be present in the way that they're um, doing relationships with each other but what kind of love is Paul praying for here is he praying for a feely kind of love like he hopes some emotions will get stirred up and they'll just have some some warm fuzzies for each other it's not the kind of love that he's talking about the word that he uses there is agape it's agape love that he's talking about many of you are familiar with agape love especially if you've been in church for any length of time and done any studying through it it's a self-sacrificial kind of love Gordon Fee in his commentary on Philippians talks about it this way. Agape love is love in the sense of placing high value on a person which expresses itself in actively seeking the benefit of the one so loved. It's a love that's actively seeking the benefit of the person you are loving and it's self-sacrificing when you're loving them in that way. One of the best examples of agape love that I can kind of bring before you just to, again, get the picture in your mind is of Robert McQuilkin. Some of you know his name. Dr. McQuilkin was the president of Columbia Bible College when his wife developed Alzheimer's. And it just got worse and worse and it grew to the point where, where it was pretty terrible and she was terrified to even be without him and whenever he would leave, it just wouldn't go well. And so many of his friends and his colleagues tried to talk him into putting her into an institution but instead he stepped down eight years short of retirement to stay home and take care of her full time and I want you to hear how he describes this decision in this video look at what he has to I say. haven't in my life experienced easy decision making on major decisions but uh, one of the simplest and clearest decisions I've had to make is this one, because circumstances dictated it. Uh, Muriel, now, uh, in the last couple of months, seems to be almost happy when with me, and almost never happy when not with me. In fact, she seems to feel trapped, becomes very fearful, sometimes almost terror, and when she can't get to me, there can be anger. She's in distress. But when I'm with her, she's happy and contented. And so I must be with her at all times. And you see, it's not only that I promised 
in sickness and in health till death do us part. And I'm a man of my word. But as I have said, I don't know with this group, but I've said publicly it's the only fair thing she sacrificed for me for 40 years to make my life possible. So, if I cared for her for 40 years, I'd still be in debt. However, there's much more. It's not that I have to, it's that I get to. I love her very dearly, and you can tell it's not easy to talk about. She's a delight. It's a great honor to care for such a wonderful person. agape love, a self-sacrificing kind of love, one that is for the benefit of someone else. A lot of sacrifices have to be made to love and care for someone in that particular way. And this is the type of love that Paul is talking about, not necessarily just between a husband and a wife. He's saying this to the church. Just the type of love that he's praying will happen in the way that friends will treat each other, in a way that brothers and sisters in Christ will treat each other, that their love, this self-sacrificing love will abound, that you'll see those kind of things happening over and over and over again in the relationships that people have within the church. So this is what Paul is praying and the kind of love that will help establish the unity that he's trying to restore. We even talked about that last week. We dissected Jesus' prayer on unity in, in John 17, that because of the union that he established between us and him through his finished work on the cross, there's an expression of Unity that we live in the unity that he's established for us. And Paul's writing to establish this unity, and in a way he's saying that happens through agape love. That happens when we self-sacrifice, when we don't pursue our own preferences and our own interests, but the interest of others, and we serve them in a way that benefits them and blesses them and for what's good for the entire church, right? And so this is what Paul is, is praying here. But next, he begins to talk about and pray about how that agape love, how that self-sacrificing love will actually get developed. Look what he goes on to say. So again, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. In other words, Paul's saying that this self-sacrificing love, for it to abound more, what's needed is more knowledge, number one, and number two, more depth of insight. Well, again, what's Paul talking about here? Let's dig a little deeper into these things. Let's talk about this knowledge. What kind of knowledge is Paul talking about here well he doesn't again say right here but we can use context to be able to try to figure it out and just two chapters later if you were to flip over a few pages to Philippians chapter 3 you would see that the apostle Paul begins to talk about a time in his own life in his former life when he was trying to find real life through religion 
through his pedigree, right? And then he begins to say this right after saying those things in chapter 3, verse 7. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but from that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. The highest aim of Paul's life was to know, to experience the living Christ in him and through him. The power of his resurrection that he can experience in that union that he has and that gets expressed through him. And so he wanted to know him more and more deeply. More and more about who he is. More and more about how he works through him and that power, that resurrection power worked through him. And so what Paul is praying in chapter 1, verse 9, we go back to that, is for their self-sacrificial love to grow first and foremost through their knowledge of Christ. Christ in them and their knowledge of Christ through them. Why? Because Paul knows that the more knowledge of Christ grows, the more their love for each other will grow. Paul Paul would even go on and explain that and use it as an example in giving them more knowledge about Christ. I mentioned to you chapter 2 where he talked about selfish ambition and, and vain conceit. And then he says, so don't do anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but value others above yourselves, not looking out to your own interest, but to the interest of others. And then he gives them an example, and the example is knowledge and awareness of Christ in the way that he loved people. Look what he goes on to say in verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Here's your knowledge about Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. You talk about agape love. A self-sacrificing kind of love for the God of the universe to make himself nothing, to take on the very nature of a servant, to be humbled by becoming obedient on a death, on death on a cross, to death on a cross. And why? All for the benefit of others, all for the benefit of us. It's a sacrificial kind of love. In other words, Paul was growing their knowledge of Jesus in order to grow their love for each other. Because agape love is the type of love that Jesus has for us. He is love, right? It's a self-sacrificing kind of love. And Paul knows that if Philippians grow in their understanding of this being the kind of love of Jesus, and Jesus now dwells in them and wants to work through them, then that's the kind of love that's going to get expressed to look for that kind of activity that he'll want to express through them. So again, knowledge of Jesus in them and through them will multiply their love because Jesus is agape love, and that's what he's praying for. 
is this agape love to be expressed. But it wasn't just knowledge. Remember, Paul's also praying for depth of insight. What exactly does that mean? Why is Paul praying for them to have depth of insight? I read a number of commentaries this week. My favorite was what G.W. Hansen says about this, and I couldn't say it any better, so I'm just going to read what he wrote in his commentary about this. He says, Without insight, love does not know how to express itself with actions and words that are appropriate to each situation of life. Often love asks the question, I desire to love these people with such great needs, but what should I say and do to meet their needs? Only by insight does love have the direction to act wisely in ways that, are, that give healing, joy, and life to those who are loved. So Paul knows that if their knowledge of Christ and his self-sacrificing love grows and you combine that with insight, a practical understanding of how best to meet the people's needs around you, then that's when their agape love for each other is going to begin to abound and abound and you're going to visibly begin to see those kinds of results. So Paul is praying for more knowledge Jesus Christ and his agape love in them and through them. A depth of insight so that they'll be able to see the very practical needs and ways to express that godly, um, self-sacrificing love. When that happens, Paul goes on and says in verse 10, that when, or let me read the whole thing again, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, verse 10, so that, here's what's going to happen, you'll be able to discern what is best certainly makes sense right with everything that we just talked about if you begin to have insight then you're going to be able to discern the best way to agape love someone in each and every moment he's going to help you discern that he's living in you and guiding your mind and your uh, thoughts and ways to see things with clarity to best know how to serve people in those moments Paul says something else is going to happen, though, as he continues his prayer. He doesn't say, just say, so that you may be able to discern what is best. But he also says, and so that you may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. That's what he goes on to say in verse 10. The word pure here means sincere. The word pure means sincere, to do things without mixed motives. See, you could love someone but have mixed motives for why it is that you are loving them. It's possible to serve someone, to meet someone's needs, but not do it in a self-sacrificing kind of way, but do it in a self-serving kind of way, right? I mean, I could go home and I could begin to wash all of the dishes and I could dry the dishes and I could put the dishes up and I could do all of the laundry and I could sweep and I could mop and I could make the beds and I could do everything to help serve my wife but she could come to me and go what is it that you want I could say well I want a new bass boat right and of course she'd say well you got it honey right no um but um But I mean, I could be doing that and she could pick up on that, right? I know you're not doing this to just serve me. You want something, right? 
What is it that you want? What's the real reason you are doing this? So we can do that in all kinds of different situations with people. Sometimes we can do it in a way where we're just trying to people please because not so that they'll be pleased again and it really serve them, but because of what it brings us when they're pleased with what it is that we did for them, right? So if I people please you and I love you and serve you in some way and you compliment me back and then you're going on and on about how great of a person I am because I served you in that way, then I am taking from you. I'm using the way that I serve you to get something out of you because I need it to justify myself. I need it to make sure that other people know that that's the kind of person I am, one who just serves and loves other people so well right see it's not sincere it's not a sincere love it's a self-serving kind of love in those ways but Paul knows that when you grow in your knowledge of Christ and his agape love and you have depth of insight and then you discern how to best love others then you're going to be loving others sincerely and without mixed motives because it's coming from him it's being directed by him what about this word blameless blameless here means not to offend someone to be without offense so if you love someone insincerely or with mixed motives that's going to be offensive to them it offends others when you love them in such a way where you're trying to do it for your own benefit or get something out of them that is an offensive kind of love so once again Paul's saying when our knowledge of Christ grows when we begin to have insight we will be able to discern what is the best way to sacrificially love others and that they uh, that love they will receive it in a sincere sincere then or pure way and it will be without offense and it'll be that way primarily because it was Jesus, it was coming from him, and he's the one who would have produced it through them or through us in these ways, which is what he gets to last in his prayer, beginning in verse 11. I'll go back again just to put it all together. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Why? So that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through all your hard work and effort through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. We talk about this all the time. Jesus is the one who produces the fruit. He's the vine that produces it. We're the branches that just bear the fruit. And Paul is picturing them as he's writing to them, standing before Jesus on the ultimate final day. And he's picturing them standing before Jesus with, with all this visible fruit, all this stuff on display that it's fruit that he produced in them and through them look Jesus at what you did in us and through us look at all the sincere love and without mixed motives the agape love that you produced through us it's just overflowing Jesus praise glory and honor to you right and so he's picturing this and so this prayer is about how to make sure that ends up happening He's picturing his friends, his brothers and sisters in Christ. He wants that to be true of them. He doesn't want them walking in their flesh. He doesn't want them trying to be about doing their own things and uh, serving people in manipulating ways and all the stuff that isn't going to produce sincere fruit that Jesus is going to receive glory and honor in. 
He wants it to be pure and sincere and truly serving others. So he's praying for this to happen. And in order for that to happen on that day, they've got to gain the knowledge of Jesus Christ and more of an awareness and understanding of his agape love for them and that he wants to express through them to grow in their self-sacrificial love for each other, to have insight, to see how it best applies to meet people's needs. And as that happens, they'll begin to discern what is the best way to love and serve people in each moment. And then this pure and sincere love without mixed motives will come pouring out the cup overflowing from them with visible fruits a manifestation of God's agape love that he already put in us that overflows now out into the lives of others this is Paul's prayer for the Philippians that he writes out and wants to make sure that he knows this is what he is asking God to do in their lives But as we've said each and every single week, this isn't really just a prayer for the Philippians. This is a prayer for you. It's a prayer for me. It's a prayer for us. That our love as the church will today abound more and more. That our knowledge of Christ in us and through us will grow. That we'll have depth of insight and discern the best way to sacrificially love others the other people that are sitting in this same room as you are that will have depth of insight and discern the best way and that Jesus will produce a sincere and blameless love through us that will overflow into the lives of other people here this is a prayer for ourselves this is a prayer for each other And one that we want God to move in and work in as he unifies us together and expresses his love through us to each other. And so this is a prayer that we could pray even right now in this moment. I'm going to pray Paul's prayer over us as we close. And then we'll enter into a time as we've done each and every single week throughout this series where you have the opportunity to pray however the Spirit is leading you during this time. And then I'll come back and close us and we'll have a time of invitation together. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads as we enter into this time of prayer together? Lord, I pray that our love will abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that we will be able to discern what is best and that our love will be pure, that our love will be sincere, that our love will be without offense. And I pray that we will be filled with all the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ and that he will receive all the glory and all the honor and all the praise for what he does in us and through us as Colonial Hills. Father, we pray this in his name and we pray that you will continue to guide our hearts and minds as we each individually continue to pray together in this moment.